We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Dynasty Command Center Nation? It's Curtis Patrick, your Dynasty Commander. And I've got a special announcement. I'm not going to be part of the episode you're about to listen to. I was busy uh, putting the final touches on the Dynasty Command Center Rookie Draft Guide, Volume 2. It just dropped last night uh, at the same time that this episode was being recorded. So, in my place, a very special guest, a Dynasty Command Center uh, Premium Slack Chat alum, uh, fellow Rotoviz Dynasty analyst. You're going to love him. Uh, one of the absolute best people I could think of in the industry to cut up the free agency moves and all the trades. But before you listen to Travis and our special guest, just want to remind you to go to rotoviz.com, click on 2020 Rookie Guide at the top of your screen, and pick up your copy of the Rookie Guide series. You're going to get Volume 1, which was all of our great data and research before the NFL Combine. You're going to get Volume 2, which is what just dropped. It's some adjustments Uh, post-combine adjustments, but also there's some deeper research on some of the players in the class we weren't as familiar with. And I put a a couple fun articles in there as well. We've also even got IDP. Travis cut up the top 40 individual defensive players. So for you IDP degens, this is the issue for you. So rotoviz.com, check that out. And then of course, uh, if if you're not a subscriber to Rotoviz at this point, what are you doing? We've got 35 bucks off our two-year sub. So you can check that out when you're there visiting the site. Uh, As for me, I'm going to hop off. This is episode 47 of the podcast. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another Dynasty Command Center podcast. I am your host, Travis May. Curtis is off for this week, but he'll be back in the saddle here again soon. 
And in his stead, we have a very special guest that we have had on the show before. He's a friend of the podcast and Dynasty Command Center contributor, TJ Calkins. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm great, man. Happy to be here. Uh, I'll try to fill in for Curtis from a content perspective, but uh, the soothing voice perspective, I'm definitely uh, not going to fill those shoes. <laughs> you know, that that's hard to do. I mean, I don't even know what he does to his voice. I feel like he hops on, like it gives it a little bass boost before he does anything. It's basically cheating. It just makes it too easy to, to sound awesome. And uh, so it, it kind of puts some pressure on. Feel feel a little uh, pressure every time I hop on here just because it's the voice. It's a little overwhelming. But uh, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're glad to have you. I think you can bring some good stuff and talk about all of the, the free agency madness and all this stuff. And so thanks thanks again for hopping on. And I definitely want to thank Bet Online uh, for being our sponsor. And, and that's actually where you can still find tons of things to bet on right now, despite all the shutdowns and lockdowns. But we'll get to more on that later. But I just want to hop right into the topic because this free agency frenzy has been going crazy uh, for the past few days. And really, there's tons to talk about right now, but there's actually going to be plenty more to talk about with names like Melvin Gordon and still several wide receivers out there that uh, are waiting to find a home. So just want to jump right into it. Obviously, the big bomb that dropped at the beginning of the week was DeAndre Hopkins going to the Cardinals. And uh, obviously... There was another part to that trade, but man, uh, that was a huge surprise just just seeing that, right, TJ? I mean, it was uh, the nuke part was the shock. Now we we got the DJ news uh, first that DJ was being traded to Houston, and it was like, okay, makes sense. They found a buyer, you know, Bill O'Brien's dumb, so he'll take the whole contract. And then it was like twenty or twenty five minutes later that the bombshell dropped that. Nuke was part of the deal, and that was completely an OMG moment, you know. And when we saw the final compensation for the trade, it was just absolutely mind-numbing. Oh, I know. It just doesn't make any sense. And and you got to think that, you know, whoever's dropping the news, they, they drop the David Johnson news. Maybe they even get the, the Nuke stuff right away, but they're like, yeah, I'm not going to post that because that, that can't be right. I got to double-check that. <laughs> Check the numbers before I start posting that kind of crap online and then they realize oh oh wow oh this is this is terrible and hilarious and awesome i i can't wait to share this <laughs> with the world yeah, let me quadruple but, uh, check this because this yeah let me <laughs> yeah i don't want to make bill o'brien look like too much of uh you know an incompetent uh loser or whatever <laughs> whatever you know you want to call him right now because holy cow just looks absolutely insane and there's been Rumors as to why that happened. I don't really want to go into that, but just uh, crazy now. But with Nuke, obviously, let's get into how how that impacts his fantasy value. Because obviously, uh, he's going to have to be splitting targets with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. And this does dampen the expectations that we might have had on Christian Kirk ascending to the next level. I mean, he had didn't even play a full season last year and still got 108 targets. Fitzgerald had 109 targets. And they also had Demir Bird, who he's gone now, uh, but uh, had 46 targets. And then you got Keyshawn Johnson with 42, Farrell Cooper with 33, and somehow that dude's still in the league. But obviously, you know, those lesser guys probably going to take a hit. And maybe Larry Fitzgerald doesn't even see his beginning of the year spike that he's been known for the past uh, few seasons. But in an offense that 
you know, started off hot. The pace was crazy. It looked like they were going to throw 700 times. They really slowed down down the stretch. Overall, uh, not not just as passing, but in running too. Uh, they finished the year 18th in pass attempts. So not exactly what we were expecting uh, as the year began so quickly. So what happens to his targets? Because he's used to 160 targets or more and over the past, I guess, what, three out of the last five years, he's had 160 or more targets. So what does this mean for Nuke, for you, like value-wise? Is, is it an uptick, downtick, or is, it, or is it about the same? I think it's about the same. Uh, I, I think moving him in any direction, any tangible amount would be irresponsible. Uh, yes, the target volume is going to go down. He's not going to see 160. Uh, as you mentioned, Arizona, despite not being able to play the way the way they want to play for the entirety of the year last year, had a pair of 100 target wide receivers. Uh, obviously, Nuke's going to be the wide receiver one there. He'll probably be in the neighborhood of 130 targets. I would say 125 to 140 is a good range to project. Uh, Christian Kirk's still going to be fine. He's still going to see similar volume to what he saw last year. And as you mentioned, that fit spike at the beginning of the year until his body breaks down, that's going to be mitigated by the year even more. Uh, It might not even happen at all this year. But yeah, man, last year they started playing how they want to play, Uh, you know, with the fast tempo, uh, pass-happy scheme. But they they just couldn't do it. They didn't have the wide receiver talent. Uh, The offensive line play wasn't perfect. Definitely did not get what they hoped for out of the running back position, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't think you move uh, Nuke or Christian Kirk too much. I, I think they're both going to be uh, safe floor guys, and floor guys are underrated uh, from a fantasy perspective. That weekly consistency is just such a huge thing. Yeah, and really, uh, Kirk, I, I still would be. I would use this opportunity to actually buy up Kirk, just because he's still going to get some targets. He's not going to go away. He's the future uh, opposite of DeAndre Hopkins in, in an offense that's probably going to continue to try to get back to that that high flying uh, mentality. Uh, so I definitely want to see what happens there. I, I'm I'm saying it's just a little bit down for Nuke in terms of like trade value or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying you should, should all of a sudden settle for less for DeAndre Hopkins just because he, you know, instead of getting 160 targets, he might uh, get 140 targets or 135 targets or something like that. Cause that's still a solid wide receiver one season, a player that's had basically, you know, 300 ish points uh, at, well on pace for like 300 or more fantasy points, essentially for three years in a row. Uh, and, and already did that even way back in 2015. He, he's the epitome of wide receiver one in the NFL. Uh, really efficient for, for most of his career outside of basically one season. So I'm not really too worried with Nuke, and I'm really not too worried about uh, uh, selling off Kirk. Definitely not doing that. But I'm really not buying anybody else in that passing offense. It's really just boosts Murray's value, if, 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 if nothing else. But let's talk about the other side uh, of that trade uh, before we even get to the running backs in Arizona. Because uh, obviously, you know, they the Texans, you know, they, they trade off Nuke and uh, like, man, what, what should we do? We should, uh, oh, let, let's sign Randall Cobb. That, that's going to fix all our problems. That That's probably not going to be good enough. And that's obviously, I, it should, I shouldn't even have to say it, but that does not make Randall Cobb the wide receiver one there uh, just because he comes in uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, so uh, I'm not really 
pumped about any of the Texans options. Really, uh, Phil, uh, for the, like the three games that Fuller's healthy, he's going to score probably a dozen touchdowns, and then he'll be out for the rest of the year. That's just how he rolls. Uh, everybody else, I don't really, uh, I'm not all about buying uh, there too aggressively. But obviously, David Johnson is the other side of that trade. And to me, I don't know how he comes in and isn't just automatically a back-end running back one. I know that that's going to sound crazy to some people that think he's washed, but if you look at what they did to to Carlos Hyde last year, the dude had 245 carries. They're going to give him the touches. And if he um, he's already demonstrated throughout his entire career that he can catch passes. Duke had 62 targets last year, and if DJ eats into that at all, Really, we're looking at a player with with you know some 270, 280, maybe closer to 300 touch type upside and just opportunity alone. So how in the world is he not going to be a running back one next year for you? Well, he uh, he's on the borderline of it, and the range of outcomes is wide. We don't know his level of health last year. We truly don't. Uh, we have to assume there were at least portions of the season where it truly affected him. I mean, he was carrying a grand piano at times and it was just so (laughs) obvious Uh, (laughs) he was just so rough but yeah man uh the hide roll is valuable and with an actual player with ability in it it could be super valuable uh combine that with a probable lack of wide receiver production in houston this year as you mentioned, Fuller's injury history is not one that's going to stop haunting him. It's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Stills is the epitome of just a guy. I know there are truthers out there, but man, don't don't fall in that trap. Randall Cobb, <laughs> Randall Cobb will probably man the slot, and while he's not sexy, he's probably going to have enough volume to return as a flex asset. The true buy in this situation will be whichever wide receiver they draft. Yeah, because, I mean, somebody has to come in and, and be the future unless they're just thinking that, that Will Fuller is magically going to always stay healthy now. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. That's that's going to be an interesting situation uh, to keep an eye on for sure. But David Johnson, man, I it just you hate to see it because back in 2016, the dude had 400 fantasy points. <laughs> And then even just in 2018, he had 250 fantasy points. He wasn't always the most efficient back then, but he could take advantage of the opportunity at hand. Uh, so uh, somebody that's, you know, just, I mean, he, he had 120 targets back in the day, had 76 targets in 2018, but he was used almost almost nothing at all, which is just bizarre. Last year he had 94 carries and 36 catches. Like that's that's brutal. So I, I just want to see him get an opportunity to show he's not completely done. Uh, I mean, if you look at his fantasy points over expectation, uh, he had 17 fantasy points over expectation last year, which just from an expectation standpoint, that's like, you know, like in terms of if that means anything when it comes to running back talent, he's like in the running back two range. So he's not, it's not like he's absolutely dead uh, at, at taking advantage of opportunity. So if the opportunity is there and it looks like it is, he could be in store for a bounce back season. And I really hope that is the case. Just at least for one more season, DJ, come on, come on. Yeah, Do man, one more time. The range of but outcomes is the whole way there. It ranges know. from 2019 Scary. to 300 plus touch high end RB. Yeah. 
So, but yeah. the thing is, I've just seen so many people come come to me and ask, you know, what to do with DJ and what to do with with Todd Gurley, and and you know, just panic selling these players and or like feeling like they have to right now because they're a competing team. Man, I have to sell the farm and add one more running back, and that's not necessarily the case. I think it's in the cards. If if you're counting on David Johnson as your running back too, I'm not going to freak out right this second and assume that he can't be a stellar running back too on, on a really good championship competing team, uh, at least for this season, 2020. But long-term, he's obviously not a great answer, uh, but uh, I, I, I'm not looking to panic sell as, as somebody who would be competing uh, this season. But in a rebuild, I totally get it. This is probably a sell-high window, especially after people realize what the opportunity should be uh, here in the near future. But let's go back to you know where he left because Kenyon Drake now it looks like he could finally finally have an opportunity uh, to actually have more than 170 carries in a season because today I guess since high school the dude hasn't had more than 170 carries in a season uh, but he was averaging 15 carries per game last year with the Cardinals uh, that would put him in the 240 250 carry range and it really Arizona was targeting their lead back uh, on a pace for maybe 80 targets per game so that's you know easily you know something like 60 catches per game so if you get 240 carries uh, and and you get 60 uh, receptions that's 300 touches and let's just knock it down a bit I, I think he's probably more in the 210 range you're still talking about a player with 270 touches like just implied here so just a crazy potential role I think that range of outcomes thing for you for you is probably key here but where are you ranking Kenyon Drake this year oh I think he's easily got to be a top eight back man uh the floor is just massive you know you look at post trade last year without even really getting to do what he's best at in the receiving uh, department he was the RB4 from that point forward uh he's a guy I've long Oof. been high on so yeah I yeah. am, I'm sitting here with over 75% exposure in my leagues, oh, just rubbing my hands together. Gotta it's a feel fun good. Feeling. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. So, over under running back four this year for Kenyon Drake. Oh, I, it would be irresponsible to say he would be to rank any him better higher than that. Than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's got maybe a floor of RB, you say 14, 13, 14 range, but I think it's really feasible and reasonable to project him in that RB7 to RB9 range. I like it. That means his cost is raising. It means a lot of people are going to have to adjust to what he truly costs and what to expect from him. Uh, As I mentioned, on Drake, he didn't really get to catch the ball, and he is elite at that. I truly believe one of the best backs in the league catching the ball. It's amazing what Adam Gase can do to a career and how much it can spike once they get out from under his thumb. But also, yeah, we were talking about Arizona. <laughs> he really does. Yeah, but yeah, we were talking about Arizona and how they're going to, or likely going to be able to play at the pace they want, pass-happy scheme. So if you, you mentioned that 240 carry number for Drake, I personally don't want that. I want it to be in the 190-200 range. Let the touches be yeah. targets and let him smash. Yeah, that would be awesome. If he actually just, I mean, went back to getting some targets out of the backfield, that would just be a beautiful thing for his PPR value. Uh, And really, I mean, he had almost 220 PPR points last year. Good for a mid-range RB2. And that's changing teams and figuring everything out mid-season. 
you got to think that the the sky it could be the limit for a player with Kenyon Drake's skill set. So unless you're ranking like a half a dozen rookies over the guy, I don't know how he's just a slam dunk back end at least running back one in dynasty uh, startup draft value right now. So that may seem crazy, but it probably shouldn't be considering the opportunity uh, and what uh, what we have uh, in terms of expectations moving forward for Drake. But obviously, we had, we can't go any longer without talking about all the Brady hype that that has just flooded uh, the Twitter timeline for the past few days. And obviously, that there that has implications for the players. There, you got Chris Godwin, you got Mike Evans, you got OJ Howard. For a little bit, we still have Ronald Jones, I guess, <laughs> to get excited about. I don't know, but but what does this mean to you when it comes to Godwin? I know you're you're. We were talking about this before, but it it, it what was the the phrase you used with with, with Godwin? What this means for his value? Uh, Godwin is ascending to deity status. It has God right there in his name, so it makes <laughs> that's, perfect that's sense. It's right there, yeah, yeah. yeah I, so I can't argue with that much anyway. It, it, it's science. <laughs> maybe Scientology. I don't know. One of those. Yeah. One, one of those. One of two. Maybe I'll but get so, my grammar uh, fixed. <laughs> real, what, what does this mean for Chris Godwin? Like why, why Chris Godwin instead of Mike Evans? Okay. Well, the Aryan scheme has consistently had the slot, particularly the big slot be the producer. That was Fitz in Arizona. It's Godwin. Now we saw him a son last year. Uh, he, I believe he was the overall wide receiver too when it, when it was all said and done. He now has a quarterback that has made a living off of his slot receiver his entire career. Godwin is huge. He wins big intermediate. And I saw a PFF stat recently that over the last five years, Brady is the best passer on routes 10 to 20 yards downfield. The volume for Godwin could even increase. The efficiency that he had, which was already very high, could increase, but I think it's very reasonable to expect it to stay the same. Uh, Evans, on the other hand, you're talking about an inefficient deep threat with him. This is not the type of receiver that makes a living with Brady. Uh, he needs a yellow guy like Jameis to truly hit. And even then, he is a spike week wonder where he is leaving you wanting for more and more weeks than not. So... I, I think it's very clear cut that Chris Godwin is a top half wide receiver one at this point, and Mike Evans is likely a back half wide receiver two. Where are you at on that? Yeah, I, I know you had some interesting polls just looking at Chris Godwin's, you know, with his value and kind of uh, where he aligned. And uh, when compared to a few other players, uh, I think Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and Obviously, Godwin is still considered a, a top-tier talent. I mean, I think for a lot of people, he's going uh, back in of round one in some cases in one QB leagues and early round two uh, of some startup drafts and such. And obviously, it, it sounds like there's every reason to believe that Tom Brady's going to mean good things for Godwin. You've already seen Arians mean good things for Godwin. But, man, looking at his efficiency last year, I mean, in terms of uh, coming back to fantasy points over expectation per game, Godwin was number two out of all wide receivers. So he exceeded expectations more than all the wide receivers in the NFL except for one player. And and so I, looking at what he did on, on the 119 targets, I think it was, uh, still managing to get 
1,300 plus yards on those 119 targets, having a really solid catch rate, and then having the the, the nine receiving touchdowns to go with that. Uh, it's just crazy looking at the efficiency that he was already seeing from that position. So are you thinking he could even become, Yeah, I guess, I guess we should just assume he's going to be the wide receiver one overall this year. If, if you're saying it's better that Tom Brady's coming in ha- in town, so if he gets uh, that Welker volume, man. It, yeah, there we Ooh. go. <laughs> if he gets that kind of crazy, crazy volume, uh, but really, I mean, Mike Evans, believe it or not, I mean, he actually had only I think it was just one less target on the season, but but his outcome, I mean, when you compare the two, it's just it's no comparison whatsoever in terms of in terms of efficiency. And you got to look at the the fantasy points over expectation. He was 21st, way down the line. He was still good. You know, he finished 15th in, in, in overall PPR rank on the season. Obviously per game, he was a little bit better than that kind of back end wide receiver one ish. But I mean, are you saying, you know, we could see kind of a step back for him to where he's maybe not even a top 15 wide receiver this year. Yeah, I absolutely can see that. Um, he's been a guy I've long, been like whole body out on you know the efficiency was never going to be there he does have his uses he would be i I wouldn't say dominant but with just a vertical passing attack that focused on outside receivers he's in a much better spot that is not the case in tampa the quarterback change is about as bad as it could get for him uh i believe his volume goes down and (laughs) I mean, Tom Brady might relate to Aaron Rodgers here as he gets his very own Jeff Janis. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Did you just compare Jeff Janis to, to Mike Evans <laughs> or vice versa there? I can't tell him apart. Can you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Let's let's not go off the, the deep end here. He's still back in wide receiver one for me. Godwin is still above that for me. I don't I don't see Chris Godwin's volume going crazy. I still think he's a wide receiver one. I just don't think he's going to have a a lock for top 3 or top 4 season uh, and regenerating that, that that elite level of efficiency uh, with a 43-year-old quarterback. But they're still both elite playmakers. Could have been a lot worse in terms of free agency uh, quarterback replacements coming into Tampa. But let's move on to a player who she just was just complained his way into one of the worst situations in the entire NFL. Uh, and so much so that, that the Vikings were like, you know what? You don't want to be here. That's fine. We'll just send you to the freezing icy tundra that is Buffalo, where you can get Josh Allen to overthrow you by, you know, by five to seven yards every other target. Good luck with that. And, and I, I <laughs> Stefan Diggs, man. If you're listening, and I know you're, you're you're a dedicated listener of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, John Brown, I know, was wide receiver 18-ish last year. But now they're both there. Bills were 24th in pass attempts, and they were a funnel offense that somehow still managed to get 115 targets, 106 targets to John Brown and, and Cole Beasley, respectively. But unless we're assuming Diggs is taking all of that and more from either one of them, how in the world are we, are we expecting him to have anything above, like, wide receiver 15 maybe wide receiver 18 upside i'm not he's maybe maybe a back end wide receiver too if we're being generous but what are your thoughts on stefan Diggs and what this means for his future and value in dynasty boy did he mess up uh, yeah <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> I mean, that's it what so uh, we see uh, you know on twitter there's been jokes of 
oh, you thought Kirk Cousins was inaccurate. Where do you see Josh Allen? It, I mean, <laughs> really that's no. 100% true. It really is yeah. true. And now what he had going for him in Minnesota, he wasn't the best wide receiver on his team. Obviously, that's Thielen. But he was the best deep threat on his team. Now in Buffalo, he doesn't even have that going for him. John Brown is a better deep threat than him. And that volume is just going to get chopped up. I think all of these guys take a hit and are only and should only be considered flex options. The sale prices that I'm seeing suggested for digs since this move in Dynasty are just off the charts way too high. I think it will eventually adjust, but I can't say that with certainty. I wish I had some shares yeah. to sell. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just staying away. Just completely staying away. And honestly, with Diggs, I am I'm okay. Like I mean, I, I'm probably waiting till he has the the few splashy games he's gonna have. Like six games, Stefan Diggs is gonna have great games, and the rest he's gonna disappear. Six games, John Brown is gonna have a great game, and the rest he's gonna disappear. And Cole, Be- Cole Beasley is gonna win somebody the, a playoff championship for no reason because they lost all their starters heading in the championship, and it's probably gonna be against me, and I'm probably gonna complain about it. But that's just how the offense is going to go. Hey, five I know for Josh 54 Allen. every week, man. When those touchdowns come, he's <laughs> useful. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But and I know Josh Allen, he's he's gotten better, but he's not good. And, and, and the offense is not good. And they're not going to pass enough. So don't buy Stephon Diggs. Yeah, there you go. We probably could have just summed it all up with just that one sentence. But that, that felt a lot more fun for me. But let, let's move on to a guy who just... Looks like he's going to be the you know the hundred million dollar man or whatever it is with with Dallas probably Amari Cooper looking like he's going to be a cowboy and uh, obviously that that's not great for Michael Gallup because we wanted to see him take the next next step in his development obviously uh, you know last year barely finishing as a wide receiver too Michael Gallup looked like he could ascend into maybe the back end wide receiver one conversation if he was given the opportunity but now Amari Cooper still there obviously he's had bouts of inconsistency from time to time but he's exploded at time to time uh, as well Uh, just last year I mean still having four dominating wide receiver one performances uh, and and really just about every year except for 2017 having at least 215 PPR fantasy points Uh, what's not to like about Dallas like are you for me I feel like I'm buying both these guys still just because this this is probably going to depress both their values as as people are disappointed. Amari uh, is not elsewhere for his potential alpha ascension, and uh, Gallup's not you know going to have his real wide receiver one shot. So, what are you doing with Dallas and the wide receivers? Well, I'll tell you what I I'm definitely not buying Amari. Uh, he's a guy that's had weird splits his whole career. You know, early in Oakland, he would break down late in the season. Uh, you would just see a very high-end output production early in the season, late season breakdown, disappear. Now he got to Dallas, the split changed, but there was still a massive split. He was dominant, killer at home, but almost non-existent on the road. And I don't know what's going to change to fix that. So outside of a best ball format, he's not necessarily a guy I want. Uh, I don't want to have to click start. In road games, let me start him. I I, I just refuse to do it, you know. Yeah. So, I I think Gallup is going to be the cheaper, steady as she goes. Uh, there's no real ceiling for him with Amari present. Yeah, you know, feel like you would maybe like package like Gallup plus something cool and fun for 
uh, or, or I, I guess if you're moving Amari, you would target for Gallup plus something fun or something like that. That kind of deal would be more appealing to you? Yeah, I think so. And that exact deal went down in one of my leagues just recently, two days ago. Uh, Amari was traded for Gallup uh, 208 and Hayden Hurst. Wow. Okay. So if you're looking to make a move, it looks like that that kind of deal is available. But yeah, I, I get that vibe with them both being better best ball plays. I mean, Stefan Diggs, John Brown, we just, it felt like all we're talking about right now is best ball wide receivers <laughs> and then demigod wide receivers like Chris Godwin. But, but uh, yeah, lots, lots of fun stuff, just new information with all this free agency frenzy. But, but before we move on, I mentioned bet online earlier uh, with currently no NBA, NHL or college basketball. You might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts and esports if they, you know, that's on the rise too. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline. So, BetOnline, your new ticket to online action. So, I know we've been talking about wide receivers. Let's hop over and talk to talk to you know to some quarterback values. Uh, I know we talked about Tom Brady a little bit, but I, let's talk about another old guy in Philip Rivers going to the Indianapolis Colts and what that means for that offense. Uh, Philip Rivers, I feel like, has just been this guy that is year after year after year has has been this back end late round quarterback that always gives me value plus in all my redraft leagues, and he's that guy that I just never sell because he just keeps on producing in my dynasty leagues. So, what what are you thinking about Philip Rivers in, in Indianapolis and what that means for those players that he's going to be tossing the the rock to? Well, first with Rivers, I I do want to start a movement to change all of his per attempt stats to per seizure because the windup is actually getting worse as he ages. Oh, <laughs> That's really, bad. Yeah, it, it really is. Just bad. shot put, <laughs> shot put. <laughs> Man, it looks rough. It's like all he can do is just like just shove it through his ear canal and then uh, down, down the field flying maybe 35 yards. It's ugly, but I mean, he's getting it done and going to Indy. I, I don't think his value changes much. I, I, I think it is a downturn. They are a team that wants to run the ball more. Uh, the scheme there is to feed the running back when leading. And the running back to feed there is Marlon Mack. Obviously, he's the guy that ices games. He's the guy that protects leads. And he's the guy that Reich's going to use. Uh, we saw it last year. And I can't envision a scenario where they're a worse team this year. Where the two-down back, per se, gets less work. So that's the guy to own. Yeah, and I'll let you touch on this. I know, uh, I know you want to get to the other back there because there's been a lot of chatter. So go ahead. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I, you and I both like Marlon Mack. I, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit higher on him. I, I think he's going to push because that offense is actually going to be healthy, and half of the AFC South is an absolute dumpster fire. So they get four free Ws. Uh, Marlon Mack is going to be somebody I, I'm definitely targeting if I didn't already own him on. I think all but maybe one of my teams. But Naheem Hines, it, I liked him at NC State, don't get me wrong. He was a talented player, fun player, but he is not Austin Eckler. And it's, it's not going to change just because Phillip Rivers goes there. It's not going to be that, oh, well, he, obviously he's going to get 102 targets. Hines only had 58 targets last year. 
And and if the team's better and they're in more situations where they're leading, Mac's going to stay on the field, and Hines is going to get less work. I I saw a, a, a I guess it was a a Twitter poll, you know, over under sixty targets for Hines uh, last year. No other information needed. Uh, Fifty eight last year was a lot for for Hines, and and if the game script, like you mentioned, changes in favor of the Colts uh, in any way, shape, or form, I don't see how Hines. Uh, sees less work and really the, the Eckler was the best back anyway last year there was a changing of the guard at the running back position for the Chargers so it's not just hey the the backup running back dude gets all the targets that's just that's just not what happens with Philip Rivers just because it happened one season so I've seen a lot of people hyping up Hines if you have him on your roster sell him right now because everyone is going fishing for the next the next Austin Eckler and really that might just be Marlon Mack this season uh, we really don't know. He's probably not going to get all the targets just because that's not hit in his skill set to the same extent. But man, it's definitely not Naheem Hines. So I'm I'm interested in looking to see what this means for T.Y. Hilton uh, and really their their options last year. I mean, they were they were just whipping out Zach Pascal and and Jack Doyle as their lead targets. So the year can't go any any worse when it comes to passing target options. Uh, this coming year. So I, I hope to see like guys like Paris Campbell get a real shot for once, uh, you know, actually making an impact and uh, really want to see what, what he could do with a, a higher target volume like he got in college. Uh, wh- where are you with their wide receivers? Oh, Rivers actually gets bailed out. I, I think he's a terrible deep ball thrower at this point in his career, but he had the elite play of Mike Williams attacking deep balls, San Diego, LA. Now he gets the benefit of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, you mentioned Paris. He needs to stay healthy. Uh, there, There is a ceiling yeah, really there does. for him. But uh, T.Y. has really elevated quarterbacks throughout his career. And I do want to touch on the Naheem Hines thing. Just one statement. You know, we talked about Brady going to Tampa. His arrival is not turning O.J. Howard into Gronk. So even <laughs> further down the yeah. trough, how is Philip yeah. Rivers' arrival going to turn Hines into Eckler? It's just not happening there. So I, mean, I think T.Y. Yeah. is still the only pass catcher you want to own this year. Um, and Marlon Mack, as you mentioned, uh, for Indy. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on to another quarterback. And Teddy Bridgewater looks like things are about done uh, there for him to be a Carolina Panther. And to be honest, this I, I've seen some positive chatter for Curtis Samuel. This, this hurts Curtis Samuel, not helps him. Bridgewater has had some success in a small sample of deep balls but he just doesn't throw to that target area in volume and that's that's where Curtis Samuel has really made his money uh, and and I don't see his role in, in targets just blowing up beyond what it was last year he actually had 107 targets had a pretty low catch rate uh, and and only wound up having you know a barely barely like wide receiver three season so I don't see him being anything more than a boom bust flex best ball wide receiver apparently that's all we're talking about this evening uh but uh, I don't see him him just rising to the next level DJ Moore is still the answer uh for for all things Carolina Panthers besides you know Christian McCaffrey that's not going to change anytime soon I don't think but DJ Moore uh, is still the guy. He had 135 targets last year. I would expect 150 targets ish this year. He missed one game, but Curtis Samuel, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, he was, he was fun. He was a fun gadget player in college, uh, and he, I guess, he showed some efficiency. You know, in his first season, he's still young, 
but I just feel like he's a player that people are reaching for. Um, do, do either of those guys elevate Bridgewater to where he's super valuable for you? Well, first and foremost on the Panthers, we had the reports that they were maybe going fully in the tank, and thank God we're not getting a full year of Will Greer because that <laughs> would have tanked everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, Curtis Samuel, maybe there's some truth to the statements of him being miscast as a deep threat. Um, I, I, I don't think that's his ideal role, but he's also never going to crush people on athleticism alone. He's a far better athlete than he is wide receiver. Now, DJ Moore is a high-end athlete, but he is already a polished and phenomenal wide receiver. He is easily the number one there. And like you said, the 150 target volume, lock him in as a wide receiver. One, underneath routes, DJ Moore will kill him with Yak. Perfect for a Teddy. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, for super flex leagues, I mean, Teddy's a great kind of cheaper add, especially like in 14 and 16 team leagues where you just need to add a second quarterback. You need to add a third quarterback that's cheap. I mean, that's that's the kind of player that um, you don't overpay for as like a rental type type piece, but you, you take a look at and at least go fishing for, maybe kind of take a, a package deal to, to work it out to where you're adding uh, Teddy because I think he's attainable still uh, within that offense. But let's let's go over to uh, another fun quarterback situation, perhaps, and that's with the Bengals because Joe Burrow looks like he's going to be the guy, and apparently AJ Green is sticking with the Bengals. So AJ Green gets you know a guy who just had basically the best college football season of all time to throw in the ball. I know you're not crazy high on Burrow, but could AJ Green be uh, just a fantastic rental that you know maybe you take a pick? that somebody's overvaluing and trade uh, for an AJ green to get one more great wide receiver, one performance out of the 31 year old. No, I, 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 I'm not quite there and I don't believe he ever plays eight games in a season again. So, I mean, maybe on a per game basis, <laughs> oh, man, uh, you, you, you might get the production you're looking for, but uh, Tyler Boyd is in place in the slot now. And even if AJ green is back and plays at the peak of his career, honestly, uh, which hasn't been elite since Jay Gruden left, if we're being honest here. Yeah, but even if he true. is playing at the peak of his career, I don't believe he gets more volume than Boyd. And you still have John Ross in the mix, too. So that wide receiver room is probably more one to avoid outside of the relative floor and safety of Boyd. Where are you at on it? Yeah, I was actually going to – I actually still think on a per-game basis for however many seconds that uh, A.J. Green actually stays healthy, he could be you know, a wide receiver one pacing type player because he still is a dominating force. I really believe that he can be that. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to add him just as a, a rental uh, when the, the hype really – you know, post-signing hype that always follows with players kind of dies down. People start digging into the numbers, and then they realize, oh, wow. Tyler Boyd last year, I mean, he had 227 fantasy points. Uh, I mean, the guy, he had how many targets? 147 targets. He's the guy now, right? He's the the guy. uh, They're already moving on to him. So, I mean, I don't know if people are overpricing Boyd just yet or they're forgetting him. But if if in your leagues, if, if people are forgetting the fact that Tyler Boyd just saw 147 targets and just wasn't the most efficient scorer in the end zone, I would go fishing for Tyler Boyd. I would use the, hey, A.J. Green is back 
to go target Tyler Boyd and even John Ross because John Ross exhibited that he could be uh, effective in, albeit a, a small sample size. You know, I, I think it, it week one last year feels forever ago, but he had 35 points and 21 points in week one and two. That is John Ross. So he, at this point, his value is gutter and in, in the gutter again. So I would at least go fishing, put him in a package type deal. Don't go asking for just him. But Tyler Boyd, I'm, I'm going fishing too, just because. Again, back to fantasy points over expectation. He was 181st among all NFL wide receivers, which is just absurd. And for all these numbers, you can actually, if you if you check out Rotoviz, the NFL Stat Explorer, it's such a great tool. You can kind of realize that, oh wow, Tyler Boyd actually had the seventh most targets last year. He had the eighth most receptions last year. He just didn't get all the touchdowns. He only had five touchdowns, and so that's going to give you a disappointing season on a per target basis. But if his workload it doesn't have to be 147 targets. Let's just say it's 120 targets. Let's just say it's even 108 targets, which what he got that's what he got in 2018. He was still he was still the wide receiver 17 with 108 targets in 2018. To me, Boyd is definitely the buy out of any of these pieces within this offense. I don't know if it, do you disagree? No, I don't. Are you saying Ryan Finley wasn't much of an upgrade from Will Greer? <laughs> I'm saying that Ryan Finley, Ryan Finley wouldn't be an upgrade on on anybody. 100%, uh, virtually, right. like <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, here's the question: uh, uh, What's the highest first round pick you're gonna ship for Boyd right now? That's tough. I mean, because every league is is different. But one QB leagues, you know, no crazy premiums within the scoring. I think Boyd, he has to be in in the you know 1.8 ish, 1.09 ish range. Because really, some of these wide receivers are gonna that we're hyping up right now are, are they're gonna land in a pretty pretty poor spot, and you know the the running backs that we're hyping up now one one or two probably gonna land in a pretty poor spot, and, and really once you get past the middle of the first round in many years many, many years you're looking at players that are just not in great obviously great situations, and, and I think I believe Tyler Boyd can still return value this year and beyond, especially after AJ Green's gone with a quarterback that, that looks like the real deal in Joe Burrow. Yeah, man, this is what, his age 26 season? So he should. Yeah, I mean, he's still yeah. young because he, he came in the league. He was like barely, barely 21 when he yeah, came Yeah, it might in. be his age 25 Eight. season. I, I might be overshooting yeah. by a year. So Yeah, because people people forgot that he, he broke out at a super early age for Pitt, had the draft capital. He had a pretty decent profile coming out, and it was just kind of an afterthought because he went to the Bengals. Uh, but he's he's a player that uh, really really we, we we cannot forget that he just had almost 150 targets. So go fishing for him his value because a lot of people I think are forgetting that he's still uh, a player that could be a wide receiver one for a team uh, this year even and beyond especially. But let's kind of do a lightning round as we kind of close out the podcast and uh, give you one Debbie player of the week to wrap it up. But uh, Mariota, obviously, I'm a Titans fan. I uh, just saw him him get uh, his kick to the curb by Tannehill. Is he going to pull a Tannehill on Derek Carr? Uh, he, yes and no. He will in the sense that Carr will get benched for him. He won't in the sense that he'll be overly effective and lead his team deep into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not going to happen. It's the Raiders. Come on, let's just let's just yeah, just move beyond that. Nick Foles to Chicago. Is he going to pull? Uh, Tannehill on Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, yes. And so would anyone that they brought in. They were going to bring in someone to compete with uh, old Mitchell, and Mitchell was always going to lose. Man, they've been dying to move on. 
And well, I I did lose respect for Negi last year. I uh, I don't consider him a high end coach or play caller anymore. Uh, I I did initially. I thought the ceiling was there, but he has been handicapped with Trubisky and wouldn't make the move away from him. So, you know, we'll see. I I think this has got to be a boost for both A. Rob and Anthony Miller. Yeah, you just look at the yards per pass attempt for for Trubisky, and it's 6.6, 7.4, 6.1. He had an okay QBR in in year two, but man, he 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 went backwards last year, uh, and so I, I I definitely could see him losing his job to uh, to Super Bowl champion Nick Foles. But let, let's talk about some tight ends because uh, I love tight ends. I could do an entire episode on, on just these tight ends, but I won't. Uh, I couldn't do a whole episode on Jimmy Graham, though, because I'm not really excited about that, keeping it in Chicago. He's probably just going to vulture some touchdowns from the wide receivers there. Uh, he's He still might score some touchdowns, but, man, I think it's still – I want it to be Anthony Miller time there finally with, with Taylor Gabriel actually gone. I want to see the, the snaps there. I want to see the, the – the attitude that Anthony Miller had at Memphis, just the fun play style, come out uh, there. But Jimmy Graham, I, I, maybe he's a tight end 16 this year just on touchdowns alone, but I'm not super pumped. Tight end 66. Uh, it's, oh, gosh, okay. That's, that, that's, <laughs> that man that's is coming rough. from Russ and Rodgers, and now he gets at best foals. My God, yeah, just that's, forget about him. Not, not looking great. But, yeah, you mentioned Hayden Hurst earlier, though, in that trade deal. He he switches and now he's on the Falcons in in a role that just you know is Austin Hooper. Obviously Hooper got moved, but Austin Hooper's role for the Falcons, if if Hurst gets anything close to that in terms of targets and opportunity, he's got to be he's got to be a, a viable fantasy asset week to week, right? Yeah, I think so, man. Uh, I I think what the Falcons have done and the way Ryan targeted Hooper, it's not something that you need a super high level of ability to do. It's a lot of curls, a lot of outs, some fades. You know, it's not outrun guys down the seam. So this is something that I think Hurst can do, and they obviously believe that he could be the one to fill that gap. I don't think he does the same numbers as as Hooper, but for what he's going to cost, he doesn't have to. You know, I think you get get a back-end safe tight end one there, and uh, just the name and the stigma on Hayden Hurst, which – was yeah. deserved until this time. We'll keep the yeah, price. Yeah, he's down. entering his uh, he's entering his age forty seven season. I think. <laughs> he, uh, and, and, <laughs> so, no, that was twenty twelve. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like in it. Yeah, he's he's in his fifties now. I forgot. But uh, yeah, so it, he he gets hated on just because of the draft capital and and getting passed up by a tight end that was drafted two rounds later, who was always better. By the way, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was always better. Ravens, you got 100%. that wrong. By the way. 100% wrong. What in the world were you freaking thinking? It's laughable how, how bad NFL teams are are at this. But anyway, let's talk about Hooper because he's on the Browns and just ruined David Njoku's value for now. But do you think David Njoku, Njoku, Njoku lands on a different team by week one? I think it would be prudent for the Browns to do so. Uh, you probably have a disgruntled player playing part-time and 12 personnel behind Hooper if you keep him. And it's better for Njoku to move as well. Uh, yeah, obviously sure. buried behind Hooper now. You know Hooper's yeah. not going anywhere. His touchdowns no. probably raise, but his target count goes down. I think he now is just a back end tight end one, and Njoku yeah. is very much to be determined. I think the Browns yeah. be better off using using that second tight end in their twelve personnel packages to be someone that is a better blocker, which is not Njoku. 
No. I mean, he was a converted wide receiver in, in, in college and still hasn't really gotten there with the blocking thing. But, yeah, back end tight end one maybe with Hooper. May, maybe with Hooper now. But uh, Jason Witten obviously goes to the Raiders. He's entering his age 96 season, uh, probably going to get uh, you know forgotten because of Darren Waller being the guy there. And Waller's still a tight end one, still going to get all the targets. But, you know, they're going to give Jason Witten a nod to, to get some snaps. But it, it's still going to be the Darren Waller show there for, for you, right? Oh yeah. It's Waller. And then Moreau was very respectable as a rookie and they used a third guy. So I think uh Witten just kind of yeah. does what Derek Carrier did, which wasn't a ton, yeah. but enough. And no, it's enough to be functional. And he's, he's a hall of fame level tight, tight yeah, end, you know, bring him in, whatever. He's just be sell a... some jerseys. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he could very much just be a player coach. Gruden might just yeah, say, exactly. Hey, you know, it, let me have my coach actually playing in the tight end room. Exactly. That which is fantastic. But and speaking of, you know, Jason Witten's gone. Blake Jarwin just got re-signed and now he could I mean, Witten was almost a back end tight end one really last year. So obviously Jarwin could jump into that back end tight end one conversation just on some tight maybe some touchdowns just just by itself. I think he's gonna have some pretty safe targets. Obviously there was a whole bunch of questions uh, once, once you get beyond like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, because Randall Cobb's gone, he had 83 targets, and Jason Witten's gone. So now there's got to be somebody else catching some passes not named Ezekiel Elliott. So Jarwin is probably going to be that guy. To me, he's a great buy right now, even with the uh, the maybe spike in in price with his contract, just because you know, especially if you're hurting for a tight end, he's a lock for back end tight end one upside this year for me. Uh, a couple more running backs uh, in, in situations here. Jordan Howard to Miami. That doesn't matter at all, other than he's going to piss you off when he takes some touchdowns from the rookie that they draft this year. But uh, I, we, we've been talking about some Debbie players. If you know me, you know I'm into college football a ton. Before we kind of sign off here and uh, TJ tells you where he can find all his stuff, keep in mind the name, the Debbie player of the week, Diami Brown. Second year with Sam Howell, who obviously trusts him in one-on-one situations against anybody. He, he tossed a, a touchdown to Diami Brown against Clemson early in the game last year. Diami Brown already has a 30% dominator rating, hits that threshold we like to see at Rotoviz. He's got above average yards per team pass attempt numbers and touchdown per team pass attempt numbers. His entire adjusted production index looks absolutely golden already. And he could surpass Daz Newsom's numbers, who is his teammate, uh, and either further further widen that gap and, and ascend to a name that everybody is wanting to have here pretty soon. So that's the Debbie Player of the Week. Before we sign off, though, TJ, thank you so much for standing in for Curtis this week. Uh, I really miss Curtis. So if you're listening, Curtis, uh, you your voice and, and uh, always solid analysis was missed, but TJ, thank you so much for hopping in. It was, it's always great to, to see your lovely face. It's been way too long, uh, but uh, glad to, to have you on uh, as always. But tell listeners where they can find your stuff. Yeah, man, I, I'll be here uh, as long as Curtis is out saving the world and being the fourth member of Boys to Men with the voice. <laughs> so. You know, we should ask him about that because he's probably still pulling some royalties from being in, in Boys to Men because clearly his voice is just angelic With but uh, where else <laughs> where else we're gonna find find you on twitter on twitter it's at tj calkins that's tj c-a-l-k-i-n-s uh my fantasy content is all on rotoviz uh including an updated prospect profile on jonathan taylor and if you're not fully hip to just how real he is please go read that 
And then uh, yes. for sports gambling content is all on ussportsbonus.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing your uh, amazing wisdom and just Chris Godwin takes and, and love there. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Thanks for joining us for this uh, just a, a amazing rendition of, of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. I hope you guys stay safe. But until next time, keep living that Dynasty life. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.